Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor, and this is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. I am podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, this is a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And once again, another game launch episode with just yours truly. You know what? I, I thought the last couple ones rocked, so fuck it. Here we are. We're talking. Uh, Dying Light 2. I mean, really, there's I'm not, I'm not going to bullshit. Like, I'm on my lunch break right now. I'm going to do this in like 30, 45 minutes, and we're just going to talk about it. Spoiler free. The game's been out for like a fucking month now, so there's really no reason to be spoiler free. But we're maintaining our original... Uh, promise. You know, I'm 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 making I'm making on that promise for you because you're my listeners and I care about you, and also because I want to get this out of the way and I want to talk about other things too. You know, but let's talk about Dying Light too. All right, because Dying Light is one of those games that I feel like I should really have played more into I just always there was stuff going on and that's kind of the case with Dying Light 2 I feel like the game is majorly overlooked I I don't really hear a lot of people talking about it and uh probably because you know it came out right before we got Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring so you know (laughs) with those two games really overshadowing in particular Elden Ring uh, those are both also games we're talking about on the podcast, and uh, that's why I, I gotta I gotta get to those. That's the thing. All right, guys, too many sh- too much shit came out in February, you know. So I'm sorry, we're catching up. It's gonna happen. Uh, I know somebody was asking me about Elden Ring on Instagram, and that is definitely happening. So, uh, in fact, I'm gonna try to get this shit out today the day I record this. Anyway, not to get sidetracked again. A little too much weed, a little too much beer in my system, maybe. So, Dying Light was one of those games that I really felt like deserved more attention than it got. It was something that my brother and I used to play along with all the time, actually, Dakota. So I know he'd be excited to play Dying Light, too. I don't don't know if he ever bought it or not. Little bastard. Not on the podcast anymore. But, uh, yeah, no, Dying Light was a lot of fun. I just, I never really got that far into the game. I never even got to the part where you get the fucking grappling hook and shit. But I remember watching Dakota play all of that. And I I recently did 
repurchased the game on Switch, and I've been playing through it on Switch certain ways through, uh, kind of in preparation for Dying Light 2, but I also have been playing a hell of a lot of Dying Light 2, and let me tell you, it's fun. Um, it's definitely a lot more polished than the first game was, in the same way that I feel like Horizon Forbidden West is a huge improvement on the first game, Dying Light 2 is a huge improvement on Dying Light 1. Uh, they just went all out. The game feels just that much more fleshed out and better. Uh, if anything, there's even more of an open world nature to it. Uh, and you still have this, you know, kind of one city that you have to explore, but uh, I, it seems a hell of a lot bigger than the first one was. I mean, this time you're in Villador rather than in Haran. And yeah. <laughs> um. The parkour is definitely a lot better. All of the skills, it seems, from the first game have made a return, and most of them you just already have. So Dying Light 2 kind of just focuses on all of those skills. And you're not playing as Kyle Crane. You're playing as as Aiden in this one. Uh, he's a completely new character. This game takes place 15 to 20 years after the first game. So <laughs> it's, it's quite a bit different. Uh, there is one character that shows up from the first game in the very beginning, and I feel like because it's the very beginning, it shouldn't be a spoiler, but I, I still think it's kind of a it's it's kind of a nice surprise to just come across. So I, I recommend it. The opening hours of the game are actually beautiful, honestly. They don't even you you're not even in Villador yet. You're just kind of in this uh the wilderness. And Aiden is a pilgrim. Uh he's a character in this world who actually travels outside of uh the cities. Because basically in the first game we had this zombie virus, um what was it called, uh, like THV or something? I don't know, the, the Haran virus, for lack of a better term, because I think they, they refer to it as that a few a few times in this game. Um, the, uh, yeah, it was, it was a virus, the zombie virus that was, that was isolated to Haran, right? And, and the whole first game deals with your, uh, deals with with the outside world the gre this, this militaristic organization uh kind of dealing with that and and ultimately haran is is gone i mean this is 15 to 20 years later so whatever happened in the first game fuck it all everybody died it sucks but it's true and and now the virus is worldwide why because they actually got a handle on it and then they kept studying the virus and then it leaked and it fucked over the world and god if this it this game just is so poignant today honestly like just just with the whole situation but villador is much the same as iran so if you played the first game you kind of understand the setup you've got this one city that's that's isolated from every everybody in the city is infected that's just a given uh in fact people are used to not spending too much time in the dark uh unfortunately antizen the drug in the first game that uh that halted the side effects of becoming a zombie uh, and halted the transformation process uh, that no longer works on the new variant and so you know the only way to to, to stave it off is is uv and uh you know consuming like these like boosters or inhibitors it's it, it's actually it, it, it's it's crazy but and so a big portion of the game is actually focused on trying not to becoming infected you know you have an immunity level and i don't ever remember having that in the first game at least not as far as i went through it so <laughs> uh that's an, an additional stress that you have to worry about something that you worry about when you go at night but i do feel like you do a lot more nighttime shit in this game i mean in in um 
in, in the first game, night is kind of treated as, as this like challenge mode, you know, like you'll gain this many more points while you're in nighttime and you'll get all these bonuses. But like, you know, it, that's just for you to kind of grind and shit. Like it's 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 not necessarily required for story progression. Some of the side quests want you to do it. But in this game, uh, quite a bit of the side quests, at least around half of them, require you to move around at night. Uh, a lot of the activities and collectibles in the game are are require you or just that much easierly done at night because there are advantages all the zombies are outdoors at night so you can go indoors and uh, you still have to um, deal with immunity and shit because you're in a dark space indoors and there's still a few sleeping zombies in there but a lot less than not the dangerous ones those are ones are on the streets so you have specific side quests and even parts of the story that take place at night and and require you to kind of finesse your way and and you've you've got to be careful it's much the rules of the first game stick to the rooftops uh because you've got on the, the ground level you've got these like howler enemies that will alert and start a whole chase against you that that just goes up in stages of progression much like the police on your tail in gta it's very much like that and you've got this huge zombie horde after you and uh, you just have to make make it as quickly as possible to some uv because you're fucked um so i actually really 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 enjoyed the uh the enhancement of the addition of some of those 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 gameplay facets i know i'm kind of all over the place here uh one thing i was going to say was that yeah villador is kind of this other closed off area just like haran but apparently that's all the world is now is just uh it's just you know these few settlements the world is is just been completely decimated uh in the true sense of the term uh because i i think that the figure is something like 10 percent, if not less of the population left you know and just a complete fraction of 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 civilization and even philosophical questions about whether society should turn society should turn out the way that that it did before you know is this part of the problem or whatnot and uh, and there's a lot of questions about that there's even some politics in play with the government uh seizing arms and and how that affected the populace and not even necessarily a statement either which way whether what was right or wrong but just kind of you know, like just just the aftermath of all these civilizations. You have a the GRE's over, but you have a militaristic uh, faction, a, a, an occupation within Villador, which are known as the peacekeepers. And you can even side with them, or you can side with the survivors. And you can uh, you can unlock different areas of the city, like windmills and 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 power uh, uh, water towers and power substations. And you can actually give them to either faction, and those give you those come with various different perks, you know, with the survivors kind of aiding you more with uh, traversal and 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 stealth, whereas the peacekeepers are going to help you more with combat and and just you know laying traps for the infected. So anyway. In a world where you you have these just settlements of population, a pilgrim, somebody who actually runs on the outside world, and people are kind of scared at them because, I mean, these are people that just fucking like, they they just keep going. And Aiden is somebody who's managed to go for years and travel just thousands of miles or kilometers, uh, without getting infected. And then the second he shows up in Villador looking for his sister, that's his main goal in this game he gets infected and he's actually treated really poorly. People want to kill him, but it's like, okay, uh, this guy Hakan helps you out. And he, and he, uh, he, 
helps you get a biomarker so you can identify yourself and that kind of introduces you to the whole immunity mechanic and and having a visual indication of how far you're progressing into immunity in a time limit and, and really what you have to do is just make sure that when you're in an closed environment in the dark and like your immunity goes out just just you know carry plenty of consumables with you that will stave off that progression uh uv shrooms very common or you can get immunity boosters and so it's not that in fact you can even craft like uv uh like bar lights uh whatever they're called like just like light bars and glow sticks basically (laughs) and throw them and use them but because, you know, indoors, it's not going to be as easy to get to one of those, to get to a UV, you know, safe safe zone. Uh, but a lot of the mechanics of the first game return, of course, creating safe zones and um, just the overall parkour and, and combat approach. Uh, you can no longer repair weapons in the traditional way. That was something I found out the hard way. I thought, like, oh, like, how do you... And I was looking up, I was like, how the fuck do you repair shit? And then I realized that... Uh, you can't. But what you can do is weapons that you really like, you can modify them. And that's the thing. Modification actually uh, adds to the durability of the weapon. So it's something that's worth doing actually later on once you've actually used the weapon a little bit. And you can increase its durability and give it a kick-ass punch, you know. So I, I spent quite a bit of time in the game actually. Quite a bit more than I feel like I did in the first game. Like if this game was like three a three-act show, I mean I feel like I got past the first act. And I'm now within the center, which is for the whole first part of the game, like what you're trying to get to and what you don't realize is you're accessing what's maybe like a third of the game world at that point and and that's already big enough as it is and has plenty of do plenty to do in so many missions that i had to skip over because i'm trying to move along and you don't even get the paraglider yet yeah you get the fucking paraglider and later on you're supposed to get a grappling hook i haven't got that far yet but it's it's a hell of a lot of fun this game just really really ramped up the fun from the first game and and anything you came to expected that but just with a highly more polished experience again it, it feels a lot like what horizon forbidden west did for her Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, a game that was was held back by its own limitations, its own budget and time frame, and you know showing that that the concept was enough to appeal to people. You know what what does it look like whenever we actually throw money at this, and and that's what Dying Light Two is, and it's a shame it's kind of overlooked. Uh, and and I will say that I think that like Elden Ring is a far better quality game. Don't get me wrong, like. But you can definitely see the hours of effort that were poured into this game. Uh, it, it, it feels like a game that, was, uh, that wasn't rushed, by the way. You know, I, I don't believe any crunch happened here. And, and I'm going to say this again. You'll hear it again within, <laughs> before the end of the month on other episodes. But crunch is why games have issues. It, do you take any good game out there like this just completely blew you away and you more than likely there was no crunch involved in it. At least that's my perception. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't screw up the password again. This time, we'll blow your head off. Sweet. Love you too. You better get it right. Now listen, Steve. Don't try to warn anyone I'm here. Rainer said you were a pilgrim. None of your business. You think your barking will make an impression on me? Did you know a girl named Mia? Mia? No. Who's me? She's my sister. Promise you'll never leave me alone here. Never. I won't leave you. Swear. I don't have to. Not him, no! Long time ago, Waltz heard her. 
He took her from me. And I want him to tell me where she is. Well, that kind of information is expensive. Maybe I can help you. Welcome to paradise. Look around, Aiden. What do you see? Something people outside the walls could only dream of. Who would have thought the end of the world would be so peaceful? I wish Crane could have seen this. Luan, it's not a sign of weakness to say you were worried. <laughs> Death is how we thank traitors. You didn't say you were working for Aider. I don't work for Aider, I work for myself. Here we're all infected. Are you scared of them? Most people are. Those who are weak, just give up. Keep them busy. They stop caring about anything. Give up on life, but you, you still care. Drop him. One move and he dies. Drop him. You're no leader, Kong. On behalf of all its whores, bandits, and idiots. I christen you a citizen of Vinador. And in the name of law, you're sentenced to death for treason. I know what loss is like. Talking about someone in particular? She trusted you, and you failed her. I'll be okay. You'll pay for that. Three against one? I like those odds. Count again. Sometimes, you have to become a monster to stay human. <laughs> Nothing could ever tear us apart anyway. Fuck the plan. We don't know what's up there. You understand nothing. A little boy wants to pretend he's a grown-up. A precious little boy. Yeah, no, I, this game definitely feels like they spent the time on it that they really needed to. Uh, there's plenty of content. It's very much the same kind of thing as the first game. So if you just really weren't into that, you might not like it. But I might give it a shot. I, I think unlike Horizon Forbidden West, which builds upon the story of the last game, like this game very much is its own story. You don't have to have played Dying Light 1. Uh, in fact, and, and, and it's different enough that... You know, maybe if you only halfway tried Dying Light 1 and you didn't like it, you might give this one a shot. I mean, if there's a demo out or you can watch some gameplay videos and see if it's something you're into, I would definitely recommend it. But again, you know, it may not be everyone's thing. I like the action RPG uh, gameplay uh, combined with the parkour mechanics. Uh, the combat is a lot of fun. There's so many different ways that you can approach combat and, and situations. You know, I, I found a place in the game where it looked like I was supposed to like knock out all these guys, but I just fucking ran away because I didn't care. And I realized that that was totally that was totally okay to do. <laughs> the game didn't punish me for doing it. There is uh the the, the story is, isn't bad. I mean, I, I feel like there were at times where I kind of just wasn't paying much attention and I, I didn't really know why I was going where I was going but like I understood the overall 
what was happening. And and there definitely are a lot of character relationships that she built throughout the game and, and you know, kind of wondering what are the what what ha, ha, what am I trying to say? What what are gonna be the outcomes of these characters? What are their real motivations? Like Hakon, for instance, you know, like why is this guy helping me so much and and you know <laughs> what's going on here uh rosario dawson delivers a performance and it, it's quite a ways into the game i mean you spent maybe like i could have easily spent a good 10 20 hours before i even got to the point where the story just really picked up and and like rosario dawson comes in and she's just an immediately likable character as as Luan. Um, already seeing kind of sparks flying and whatnot. And it's funny because there was another character I felt like Aiden kind of had a, a romantic connection with. But um, yeah, as far as I know, there aren't any romance options in this game or any overt romance from what I've heard. That might be a spoiler. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know. <laughs> but with, with, with the amount of time that I've spent on this game, I, I really have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I keep getting excited about, you know, unlocking new skills uh, that and, and perks that I can use because uh, th those skills just look really fun to use. They're going to help with my the way that I fight or the way that I traverse the city. So it, you really just want to spend a lot of time, you know, gaining experience and, and, and buying skills. And, and it's easy to get sidetracked. The, the good, like, I think one of the best qualities for uh, an open world game to have uh, or, or a game with side quests is that those side quests feel just as engaging as the main story does. To the point that, like, you may not even be invested at the main story at a certain point and tries to do a side quest. Side quests, that content that's just almost just as good if if not you know good or better uh and there's so that's so rarely been the case you know in, in gaming before the open open world genre really sort of appeared i mean majora's mask has i think one of the most phenomenal side quests in gamings that that the story of which just really actually complements the main story but um you know, that, that was kind of one of the early examples of that that I saw. And yeah, I would say that Dying Light 2 passes the open world test in that, you know, a lot of these other missions are fun and, and rewarding to to accomplish along the way. I don't like to go out of my way to do something. I'm not going to spend time clearing every level one quest of the map, you know, and then every level two quest, you know. But part of that's too because I wanted to play, I wanted to talk about the game. I wanted to play through as much of the story as I could, but... I mean, I feel like I definitely would have explored even more, to be honest, if I wasn't in a rush. Or I know I would have, you know. But even so, like, even if you're just, like, doing side missions on the way and just whatever uh, isn't out of your way to do, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And I had to keep reminding myself, like, hey, man, we really need to get going with the story. And that's not to say the main story isn't engaging, because it is. It's actually a lot of fun. Um and, and I like how you actually have the option now to change the landscape based on which faction you join. I mean, in, in, in uh, Dying Light 1, you had, you know, the people in the tower who were, you know, obviously the, the good guys. And then you had fucking Rice and his gang, which were obviously bad guys. And yeah, you sort of worked alongside Rice, but you hated it the whole time. It's not something that you wanted to do. Um, <laughs> you did it for the good of the people of the tower. And then you have the other faction, which is the GRE and, you know, kind of questioning what orders they're giving you and whatnot. Um, this game, 
this game is a little different. It's not so black and white. I mean, I feel like it's it the, the survivors kind of seem like the ideal force, the ideal faction to side with. I mean, the peacekeepers obviously aren't doing a good enough job not letting people starve and not have access to water and that's all that these people want but it's not it it is there still are a lot of shades of gray to it because you know a lot of the survivors do shitty things and 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 people take advantage of each other and the peacekeepers you know represent uh organization and whatnot and and later when you get to the central loop even though you've already picked a faction you know one way or the other you're going to learn more about that other faction uh you know and kind of open up and see you know oh hey maybe the peacekeepers aren't so bad you know but you still have a decision to make who am i gonna gonna take this and and you know i would have i thought i would have easily been like oh yeah i'm gonna side with the survivors the whole time but i found myself kind of questioning it you know kind of thinking about it like you know the choice that i'm making has consequences one way or the other you know what about these guys that helped me out you know what are they gonna think about this they they may not be too happy <laughs> that you know like they helped me out or they were nice to me and we you know and, and just for me to kind of be like nah fuck you but it, it, it there's some there's definitely some there's a world dilemma aspect to it and even the when you think that you have a clear cut choice you still kind of wonder you know could I have made better choices uh, there are a lot there's a lot more uh, choice based uh, dialogue now I mean I don't think that there was really any, I don't really think you could make very many choices in the first game I know the ending uh, had a choice but um, like just within dialogue in this game you can you can you can select different options and and make different decisions or more often than not just find out more about a situation and kind of you know uh get more of the details or if you don't feel like you need to you know it doesn't feel like it's you're obligated to it feels like you're making choices then there are a few points in the game where you do make like like choices and then it's sort of time sensitive it gives you like uh, just a few seconds to figure out what you're gonna do and you're like oh shit it's you know it's kind of like a telltale game like what am i gonna do like i don't know this feels like the right thing to do I, I i guess i'm gonna do it but you have no idea what the consequences of those are you know i thought i was making the good choice uh you know to go like save this girl or whatever and, and then i ended up like fighting all of her friends and i'm like oh i don't want to kill these people like <laughs> So, you know, it, 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 it definitely is, is a, it, it's, it's a crazy game. And Aiden doesn't just serve as your avatar. I mean, he has his own personality and way of acting. You just sort of can, can direct him. You know, you can make, select different things to say. Uh, I'm going to kind of compare it to Horizon again, actually, because I, I, I thought that, you know, it's very similar, like Aloy, all of her personality dialogue options don't have a huge impact on the story, but they all feel like things that she would say and, uh, but, you know, completely can change the way that, you know, you want to play her. So I, I feel like that way with Aiden. The, the dialogue choices, uh, most of them I don't think have a huge impact on the story. But there are a few that do. And uh, secondly, I feel like they're all they're all in character, I suppose. Um, just kind of what, what personality characteristics you're playing off of, or, you know. What do you to intend to mean? What is, what comes out of Aiden's mouth? You know, you kind of have this disconnect, and uh, he he's kind of a standoffish character, and um, you you learn more through like these flashback sequences, and um, you you understand his motivations. And uh, one thing that's cool is that you know he's actually got some. I don't know if that's a spoiler. Maybe it is. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm not gonna say it, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think that I think that uh, he he definitely is is definitely a lot more. Uh, he seems tougher than Kyle Crane does, but at the same time, the game also does is the second you become infected, like the game severely straddles your health and your and your stamina and you have to find inhibitors in order to boost those back up again and unlock different some skills are locked behind uh your your stamina or your health level so that, that's important not only to gain experience in those things but also to uh to find take time to find the inhibitors in the world and that way you can unlock all of the skills and yeah like i said i i i really thoroughly enjoyed being able to do that so i don't suppose there's a lot more to say about dying light 2 i mean there is but not a lot more to say without getting into spoiler territory but i definitely recommend it i think this game is, is severely underrated i think it's it's, it's terribly overlooked uh if you're looking to jump into another game world just a little bit you know you don't you know you have a little bit of free time outside of the the world of the the lands between and, and <laughs> or the forbidden west you know then I, I would definitely recommend it um if you'd like to jump back in and play dying light that's on switch uh this game is available on ps4 and ps5 xbox one and xbox series x and s i played it on the ps4 it played okay it didn't overheat my ps4 unlike her both of the horizon games do like at all i could play this game for hours and it ran smoothly it's it, it's a little choppy at times i think because it's it's not you know it's not designed for previous generation hardware as much but it plays a hell of a lot better and smoother and dare i say faster than like assassin's creed valhalla so that just goes to show uh it's also coming to nintendo switch i'm assuming it's on pc as well I, I, it has to be but it's also coming to nintendo switch there's no release date yet they don't we don't know when but at some point we're getting a cloud-based version of this game and that's really cool i'm excited to see it i'm really excited but Anyway, if you enjoyed the first game, definitely get it. If you weren't sure how you felt about the first game, you know, you just never really got into it like me, get this game. And you don't even really need to finish the first one. If, if you, Even if you didn't like it, you know, or if you've never played it, I, I think, uh, you know, watch a couple gameplay videos before you spend 60 bucks on it, you know, and... and uh, on, a, on a game world you may not come back to right <laughs> watch a few gameplay videos or or consider my review uh and and, and kind of make your own decision based off of that but next time we will be doing uh finishing up our horizon episode that's part of why i keep mentioning it. it's the other game i'm playing right now so we're going to be doing a, another spoiler free game launch review on horizon forbidden west uh, and this is going to be as the part two of our of our horizon episode uh, we also have an episode coming out on elden ring as soon as possible this month don't worry about it it's happening <laughs> i mean those are really the priorities uh cinema hell or uh, hellblade cinema saga or cinema sacrifice sorry not the the second game that's coming out. Hellblade: Cinema Sacrifice is the next main episode we're doing, like our numbered episode. Uh, and I'm not even worried about getting that out this month as planned, as much as I am getting out uh, those game launch episodes. That's, that's that's sort of the plan here. But we'll see. Um, and hopefully, uh, we will have not just me on all of those. I actually I know for a fact we won't. Uh, Megan, of course, is playing Horizon Forbidden West and loving it. Can't wait to start to, to start talking about it. I think we're meant to record that this week. Um, and, and I know uh, Agony uh, wanted to, who we did our Elden Ring stream with, 
live stream or, or his live stream. We get, were guests on his live stream and we would like him to be on our episode. Um, he's going to, uh, he, he, he had planned to be on that episode. So I expect Megan will be there as well. Maybe Zach, Zach, if you're listening, I don't know if you've been playing Elden Ring, but you should. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to be on the Elden Ring episode and then uh, Hellblade. I mean, definitely. I'm, I'm obviously Megan's going to be there for that. Um, and I'll be on all of these because <laughs> so we, we still have a lot of other stuff coming out. Uh, we're sort of winding down the season, but we're, we're trying to uh, to just get everything out and planning next season already. I'm actually really excited about it. Super, super stoked. But if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, uh, feedback on Spotify or, or whatever your platform of choice is. If there's an option to give feedback, we'd love to have it, uh, even if it's not five stars. Right. If, if you have some complaints. All right. If, you, if it's like one star, or if it's like bad, like, like come DM me about it first. Maybe we can talk through it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I want I want constructive criticism and and I want you know things to be genuine and I really 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 enjoy uh, the the uh, how much people have uh, retweeted us and followed us and listened to us. We really appreciate all of that. I need to wipe down. I need to go back to work. So uh, you can find Collateral Gaming on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We have a Patreon. It's where we have exclusive Let's Play video game commentaries. A lot of fun. Want to get some more out. And uh, we are also on social media. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On the Collateral Cinema side, that's our that's our other sister podcast, if you're not aware, our movie Collateral Cinema Movie Podcast. Uh, we actually just did a collaboration with them on the Uncharted movie. We just got that out like a couple days ago as of the time of recording this. So uh, go check out our our, uh, our our take on the Uncharted movie adaptation starring Tom Holland. And uh, uh, next month, we are going to be doing So I Married an Axe Murder with one of my uh, absolute favorite people, Megan Price. Uh, she's, 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 she's going to be on that episode. And that's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah. So, if, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I have. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, this has been Collateral Gaming. My name is Ashley. We are out.
Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.